Like, like, like for me, it's that, like, I, I told you, like, you know, you, you know, so I used to do heroin. I, I say that people don't believe me. I don't look like I was on heroin. I look like I was on bleach. Then I get to laugh, and then I go, but you can do both. Just ask Tori Monty, and that never gets old. That always gets in awe. But, but I can't not say it, because it just fits like a glove. Like, it is, it's, it's, it just, it's, it really is. You can do both. Just ask Tori. Oh, just, it just fits. I've never gotten a good response on it, though. Even when I'm bombing sometimes, I'll say that first one. I'll try and get him back, and then I'll be like, let's go back to bombing. And I bring it up. Because I just, it's, it's, it's about principles, you know? Yeah, I have a joke where the Oracle is my therapist, and it never works because no one knows who Bjork is. And I still do. I don't what? care. I'm like, I am going to do my Bjork. It's the one, Bjork is the one accent I do. The yeah. one character voice. Hey, did you test the temple? Sometimes people don't understand and your uterus is made of clouds and the polar bear only thinks in the same way your body thinks. Don't get proud of what you do. I actually disagree with you, Pam. I think Bjork is one of the impressions that I hear a lot. Really? I hear Jerry Seinfeld and I hear Bjork a lot. (laughs) But you do a good Bjork. You do a much better Bjork. I think most people's Bjork is mine where it's just like, I wear a swan hat. And I know I shouldn't be that outstanding. I don't know why. Why is she so famous? Every time she performs in different countries, she speaks in their language. So, France, she speaks French and United States. She speaks American from the Northern States. And then she speaks Icelandic and um, Dutch also. European. Wanted to, she speaks very good European. I've always wanted to do like Bjork goes to Trader Joe's and like <laughs> as a, as a grocery so list. But the problem is I have to be allowed to audience and know if they understand who Bjork is. Because anyone under 30 would be like, they all just look at me like, what? <laughs> Except for I don't know. I, 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 I agree with you. Like, yeah, Bjork is kind of niche in that sense. But like, have you, I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race had a had an impression episode where uh, one, the girl that won, I think, did Bjork. Or no, no, the girl that won. Alaska won because Alaska is a queen. I wish I could be so confident. You Do know, I people that are confident Alaska? like that, you, you know, you, you watch Flavor of Love ever? Flavor of Love. No. Did you, what? You never watch Flavor of Love? I don't know what that is. Oh, Flavor of Love, not Labor of Love. No, Flavor of Love. I was thinking Flavor of Love. like Blackula. Right, right, yes. I watched Flavor of Love and back when it actually happened the first time in, like, what, early thousands? Uh, yeah. What a, what an amazing thing to happen. Yes. Flavor of Love is my all-time favorite TV show. <laughs> I think it's so – when I first saw it, I was on acid, and I did not – I straight up refused to admit that that was a real thing. <laughs> there was no way that this didn't happen. When Flavor Flav came through that door, I was like, Dave, and everyone just goes crazy. And he's like 60. He's like 60, and there's all these 25-year-old women. He has a nose stud that's the size of his nose. Oh. How's Tegan? Well, so you had a different experience. You're on acid and you just like rant and gush about what you're watching. I've never been able to do the brave part of it because I went over to my friend's house, and this guy's, this frat house, taken some acid 
and they were like, hey, we're all downstairs watching Braveheart. And I was like, I don't want to watch that. And they're like, come on, come down. So I couldn't even watch it. All I could hear was like, you know, bodies being ripped apart. And I was on acid. Oh, I was just God. freaking out. So I've never been able to watch Braveheart ever again. Not that hey, I should. Not that Mel Gibson needs fixing. But acid really did it to me. What is the best movie you've ever been forced to watch? You know, like you didn't want to see it. Then they made you watch it. And you're like, this is, this is pretty good. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Pootie Tang. I'm going to say Pootie, Pootie Tang, Tang. Written and directed by uh, Louis C.K. Amazing. I did not know that. Yes, yes. And when it first came out, it was nothing. And then people kept talking about it. All my buddies, they were like, you have to see Pootie Tang. I'm like, it's called Pootie Tang. Fuck that. I'm a feminist. What is Pootie Tang? What does that even mean? What is even happening? What is it? Is it about pussy? What is it about? And they're like, well, it's, it's about rapper Louis C. He doesn't really speak. He's like, and then there's Wanda Sykes. And I'm like, oh, Wanda Sykes, I'm fucking in. Amazing. So... Then I watched it, and I was like, okay, this is the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then when I watched it like 12 more times, I'm like, clearly it's brilliant. We even, Tang's door is like lit with things, and we tried to do that to my buddy's door. We tried to like, we went to the store and bought like fuzzy, fluffy thing, like um, uh, upholstery fluff, and we, you know, uh, spray glued it to the door, and we covered it with velvet, and we put like buttons in to try to make I'm not seeing Pootie Tang. I wanted to be so bad. But the fact that you enjoyed it so much that you'd make a DIY and paper project out of it, that's dope as shit. That's the best movie magic. Magic. So there's two films that are the worst films ever by the best films ever. One is Pretty Tang, Louis C.K., written, directed, super great, lots of cameos, super awesome. The other one is Most Enchiladas, written and directed by Mitch Hedberg, 
introduction qualifies as an introduction. It's just awful, but it's that's what makes it so great. Is the oh, you know, you know, a movie has a terrible production value. I think that is terrible language. Hocus Pocus. That's where I was gonna go with that particular mirror point to watch. Um, that turned out well, good and bad. I have a good one and a bad one. The bad one, and when I was in treatment, sometimes it'll treat they give us like movie on like special holidays that we didn't get to pick. And on Halloween, we had to watch Hocus Pocus Pocus, and I was furious. It's terrible. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. It's stupid. It's awful. It's above all, it's not funny. And the good one that we watched. The one that I was also like, this is stupid, I don't want to watch it, was Click. Click? Oh my Click. god, I cried so Such hard. I cried. It hits you so hard because you don't think it's going to be that emotional. I, but it is. I love Adam Sandler, and I think that, you know, he's hit or miss these days because of the Netflix movies or whatever. I, mean, I don't know, he's hitting. He's hitting. He's hit, I mean, Unstuck he hits. Love and, uh, and, and, and uh, what's that? Uncut Gems. Remember what we were saying, like, who knew Adam Sandler? Uh, Punch Drunk Love? Did anyone see Punch Drunk Love where he's acting his motherfucking ass off with a tiny toy piano and he's in love with the... Now motherfuckers want to say that they knew after they saw Punch Drunk Love, but no one watched Punch Drunk Love. I did. I I think I own it still. I love love Adam Sandler. I've been on board with Adam Sandler since Red Hooded Sweatshirt. Sweatshirt. Shot him on the dick dog. Sweatshirt. Time Stories was amongst the worst movies I ever saw. I don't think hard jokes are funny, especially when they're set up as, like, the entire joke. He's just like, hey, what if I heard it? Like, he picked that, and they're like, yeah. I also didn't think he was great on SNL. Aquaman. He was amazing on SNL. Oh, my God. I know. I he wrote Lunch Lady Land. Lunch Lady Land. I Hoagies and Grinders. Hoagies and Grinders. Navy, Navy Beef Loaf Sandwich. Uh, I think his stand-up is trash, in my opinion. Crucify me for this later on, but his stand-up is just trash. I'm sorry. Uh, and I, I agree sorry. with that. So the, the, the thing he came out with, the only good thing in his last special was cell phone keys. It's like cell phone I keys something. Like cell phone keys. Duh, 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 and it keeps going and he makes a song. But when he – And the, the Chris Farley so tribute, I didn't like it. I didn't like how all my improv friends in Chicago were like, Chris Farley's cute. And I was like, this is – I guess – Kind of sad. I mean, I don't know. It just. Have you ever listened know. to his uh, "They're All Gonna Laugh at You" album from the? No. Oh my God. Okay, so that's Adam Sandler like at his best where it's a sketch, but it's auditory and it's not visual because he always laughs at his own jokes and it kind of sucks. Don't like it. And but he has all of these. Songs. Jimmy Fallon. Don't like he has this either. song called Mr. Baco and it's about like so high. It's so great. The pizza delivery guy showed up and handed me a shoe. I was like, "Stop what the hell is I'm fucking, it go, I fucking wasted the best shit I ever tasted. Anyway, so the 90s for me is like, look it up, look up, they're all going to laugh at you by Adam Sandler. It's so Some comedy good. ages so well, and it's so different because it's in a different time. Some comedy is just like, also, Eddie Murphy, raw and delirious, and I, I'm not a, I, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, that's all he I does. Didn't, I didn't like the, how many times he said faggot. I don't I like it either. It made me so uncomfortable. That's why I can't. And I get that that's the time, but it's still not clever. And it's, it's, I feel, okay, so sometimes I listen to Richard Pryor and I'm like, yes. And sometimes Amazing. I'm like, so much.
much N-word, so much N-word, it's hard for me to get, like, and I get that was the time when that was, and, and saying that in public was like, you know, a thing. But, and, but he owned that, and he's part of that. When Eddie Murphy does he something like that, that when Eddie Murphy starts throwing around faggot, 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 it's not that he's a part of that and he's eliminating it, it's that he is punching down. And that we're all like, whoa, look at him punch down, yeah, fucking faggot. And that wasn't a new concept, though. It's a new concept of people punching. Like, I feel like it's so important in comedy now, but, like, it's still not a new concept. Like, we knew about it. Like, you didn't make fun of, like, 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 Boston comics did not make fun of Jews because punching down. Jews made fun of Jews. Oh, oh, my God. Also, Sam, I was a, I, you know, I take comedy classes with both guys. Yeah. There's this one Jewish girl. I sat next to in a comedy theory class, and she was like, I want to make it in comedy because I feel like Jews are underrepresented. <laughs> I, I, she was so but she has such a joke. Serious. That's a great joke. She should open with that. That's hilarious. No, she was so dead-ass serious. Though. No, I know, but that's what makes it funny, especially if she plays serious on it. That's so funny. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Why women forget that they're white, man? I don't know what the fuck about being a woman makes you be like, I'm racist now. I, I hate it. I hate it. Whatever. I'm not going to get, you're not going to get me to be misogynistic on air. Man. No, no, it, it's, right? it's okay. Hey, here's the thing. In the 90s, I, if you want to watch some 90s movies for free on YouTube, we play a fun game. I play it all the time. I watch 90s movies and I can count how many seconds it takes for them to make a misogynistic or homophobic comment. It's always under 60 right. seconds. It's under 60 every single movie. Anything from 1988 to 1990, even everything like Jingle All the Way, choose a movie like the Santa Claus, every movie, and in PG-13 movies, and in PG movies, somehow jokes of making fun of women and making fun of gay people was com- completely okay in the 90s. Oh, my God. And, and yeah, pushing I mean, down. Just like, the fact that, like, I don't know, just gay archetypes were so limited, but what's, what's interesting to me is that, like, yeah, I feel like, especially in comedy, like, women were made fun of so much, but then they kind of, we, we were like, oh, shit, there's no women in comedy, so we gave them, you know, we gave more of a platform, and then we started to see more female archetypes, which was great, still all, like, white women or whatever, but the, what was the inverse of that, to me, was the gay community, instead of, like, trying to create new archetypes, there were some, like, I see Modern Family is a really, I, I was really happy to see Modern Family come back, but... I feel like it was kind of a, um, it's a, it's like a retaking of the same gay archetype, you know, kind of like the black woman and the gay guy. You well, know, it's, you know what I mean? like, it's the girl, angry I black just, woman, and it's the super effeminate gay guy who has that look, but that, but, but and that's the character. That, but instead of inventing new archetypes, right? I feel like it was more leaned into, which isn't a worse way. I want to, I want to make sure. But you know, that that archetype, instead of being done away with, was. Um, exaggerated and embraced in a way that sometimes I feel like is great, and sometimes I feel like um, is kind of still, still kind of damaging, you know? Like, well, the main gay television show is still RuPaul's Drag Race. The only thing I feel like that gives a like a, a more broad, less flamboyantly gay kind of character is like, well, Anderson Cooper 360 <laughs> and Modern Family, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't, like, there's nothing about being, about gay characters being, if you have to, well, if you want to talk about race in this, 
being like taking some black women, you know, like having this black female attitude. I, I just, I just, I, I you know, I the word angry. Right it's so hard. The word angry goes out. in front of black woman, and it's terrible. That's the trope. That's the archetype that exists. That's the trope. Angry black. But that's been they tried to make Michelle like Obama that be that. That has been perpetuated. Yeah. By the gay community, where it's somehow like it's so empowering to be like a sassy black woman, even though you're a white man. You know, and it was hard for me to come out to myself because I never identified with these kind of people. You know, like I, I, I was always a muted kind of like, I don't know, the, the other, like, especially in my high school, it was like I couldn't be in a gay relationship. I was the only people that I knew were out were these people that, like, I just, I wasn't attracted to in that way. But then when I got to college, I find out that all these, like, these Mormon kids were gay. Yeah. And I just never knew about it. I would have loved to know about it. I would have been able, I would have skipped so much pain yeah. in my late teens if I had just had some examples, more Anderson Coopers, yes. and other people too, so we could have been Anderson Coopers together. Well, and, and, but that, that's the, the, the thing is that when you don't see people as people and stick to those archetypes or stereotypes or this is what gay people are like, they talk like this and they are like, oh my God, I love your hair and your right. shoes are so cute. That's how you're gay. It's by acting like this and having your voice change and being all. But that's people are people, and they're all different, and there's all different. And why do we why do we care about what people do, how they smash their genitals? Why do we like make right. our whole identities about like I don't care what who's who's doing what with who? Why is it anybody's business? Why is anyone saying to anyone else the way that you get off is gross? Like, why you want to yuck my yum, bro? Like, it's, I just don't get it. Why people's, and, and that people's entire, like, identity is wrapped up well, in, because it's, I because hate it's these people, that's my identity. And it's seen as a threat to, like, your, your current way of life and your values. And that is, I mean, I don't like that. Why? Because for a very valid reason, because how you want to have sex is fucking objectively gross and damaging to society. Right. To our people, you know? So there is a space, there is a line where it's like, yeah, okay, we got to not allow that, you know? Right. And, and I guess if we did, you know what, if we did live in a theocratic Christian society, like, like I know we do because all of our morals are based off of the religions and shit like that, but if we lived in, a, in, in like, the equivalent of, like, an Iranian theocratic society, Christianity, homosexuality would be a thing. Would be and correct. That yeah, you'd get it. You'd be. It would be like Russia. You'd be like Russia. You'd get jailed. It'd be illegal. Yeah. You'd get punched in the face. People wouldn't like you. You couldn't get jobs. There'd be all kinds of issues. Catch twenty-two. Uh, but but, but that's the thing is that what does this come down to? I hate you because you're different. Because what you do with your genitals and how you smash them, like I don't care if you smash your genitals against a tree or like a like a what per person or. I mean, I guess, like, right. I guess, like, don't have sex with animals because animals don't give you consent, but... Right, like, unless if, the tree dies. I, like, what's the tree gonna... But why do we... Why is our morality somehow... It's just so funny to me when people come back to it and they just say, well, we're doing these things because this is morality. It's like, but morality stems from the idea of how we choose or not choose to procreate and do this thing that we're sort of built to do. As long as morality it. exists, I mean, there is no objective morality 
mean, there's always going to be discrepancy between people. We're going to have to see which people we want to be allowed to live outside of our own personal morality and which it's not okay. Because certain things are immoral. You know, I mean, I guess there are things that are physically, objectively immoral, you know, like how you repulsed by the smell of, like, a dead body or something. You know, killing people is immoral because of, you know, more well, or less. But that's nature. because you don't have their you don't have consent to take their life away. Everybody it just depends on what we decide like is is the concept of life worth living? Is the smart right, that it's makes not us alive in the same important? way that we think that like robbery is immoral because of our opinions on property. Or we think the killing is immoral because biologically we can't survive if we think it's okay to kill well our own people. Right. See that doesn't even happen. It doesn't even happen. Once well, you start getting into it, everything's a moving fucking target. And, and, but that's if you now I, I feel weird about theft because I would never steal from anybody. Uh, and people, yeah, but when people do steal, oftentimes it's of such such necessity that I feel empathy and compassion for them, and I feel terrible that the person who stole my bag got things of so little worth. They were so worthwhile to me and so worthless to them. But I I still feel like. I don't have to steal things because no one should have to steal things. If we actually had a morality code, no one would have to steal things because everybody would have their rights. Everyone would have a place to go poop, nothing to eat, something over their head so they're not cold, you know, and shelter. And you then know, there'd be no stealing. You want to hear something? You want to hear something controversial? Yes. Want to controversial? Okay, before I say this controversial thing, uh, shout out Ash. So again... Big shout out. Hey, remember that girl that uh, that I got my guitar stole and I went to the train station trying yes! to get a train to the train with? Yes! And I was like, oh, I met this girl there. She, you know? she was yeah, too so cool for you to it. believe. She's right now, yeah. Oh she my god, that's so funny. You were like, I just couldn't believe it. She was too cool. Like, I don't, what would she, and then. Yeah, she was way too nice. She was way too nice. I was like, I thought she was trying to scam me straight up. Because I was like, why is any, why would any stranger be nice to me? Suspicious. <laughs> but no, you know, she tuned into like almost every Mutiny Radio thing, so you know, she deserves a shout out. And to the two other people listening to this, uh, yeah, you guys are great too. Anyways, getting into the controversial thing that I was going to say. I don't think that we will ever have an equal society because I think that human beings are innately attracted to class and tribalism and in separation and into creating inequality getting more than other people, by being better than other people, being more moral than other people. Humans breed inequality. And to try and make a society where everyone is equal is impossible. It is never going to happen because humans eat oxygen and shit inequality. But so, I don't think that it has to be straight people. I think we can do with what everybody needs. And some people, I feel like we can meet people in the I don't think it's about equality. Like, we all have the same everything, and everyone needs to be okay with it. But I feel that we can meet people as a group. There shouldn't be... We shouldn't hate poor people. Because the reason poor people exist is because that's how capitalism works. Like, you can't really have people get ahead without people getting behind. So there's all all the moving parts. But I think it's compassion. It comes down to what are people's worth? give a shit and right now getting here I walked by so many people in tents and it's very intense nobody cares they're all out there it's very intense it's very intense there's like 
200 tents in front of the library. You walk down Leavenworth, there's a, a, it's all, it's just a new community of tents. And it's, why do, and I, I'm part of it, I walk by them. Why do they have to live in a tent and they have to shelter in a tent? And I, and I have an apartment, but my apartment's small. I know people that are living on I mean, because of because of choices that you make. Not everybody. Not everybody's in that position because of choices they made. Sometimes it's because of choices that other people made. But I mean, I, I mean, like I'm an addict. I, I realize some of the choices that I made have put me in the situations that I was in. You know, and I'm very privileged to be able to get out of it and have the opportunity. You know, some things that I, I, I am able to make certain choices. But I, at the same time, I, I think that first of all, I don't think it's always the individual's fault. I don't think that there's a systemic reason behind a lot of the stuff. But I, I don't think that there's – people choose to live a way that fits how they feel about their lifestyle. And I think that the choices you make reflect the lifestyle that you end up living. Never mind. No, I, no, I don't no, no. Like and I, and I, agree, I agree with that. But then what happens is that when – so I've been watching a lot of hoarders lately. Thank you, Netflix. And I love hoarders. I also love intervention. Uh, and globally, I'll say this first. I love intervention and I love hoarders because it makes me feel like I'm super clean, even though my house is very messy. It's not that. So I saw a woman on the hoarders the other day walking around barefoot, and her dogs had lived in her house for eight years, and she never let them out to go potty. And she was standing in her dog poop all the time barefoot, and she'd been living there, and she was dead. And it made me think. It's a choice she made. But yes, but, like humans, but humans can get used to a lot of things. Like, we can live in Tacoma Springs. There's a guy who's been living outside my house for 13 years. His name is Fuck My Life. I think his real name is Robert. Anyways, he's a real honest and nice guy. But I've seen I've seen him for he's making choices. And he's been there for 13 years and nothing has changed except he's gotten sleeker. But it's like right. and well, you know, I honestly I'm going to revise my question. I think that it's, it's choices that you make, right? But these choices are made because of subconscious reasons, systemic reasons that you don't have to make, you know? Like, 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 I mean, it's a, it's a Republican argument. It's like, you know, I, I, this is not my opinion, you know? But the Republican argument of, like, with, with, especially in the 90s, with that, 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 important, that um, facilitated mass incarceration, it's like, why don't black people take responsibility for themselves and stop this? You know? It's an individual aspect of it. Why doesn't the individual choose to change? The individual does get to make these decisions. These choices that they make, you know, sub- are influenced by things that they have no control over. Well, systemic right? and it's and so difficult. even addicts, it's like you make the choice to continue to use, you make the choice to continue to kind of put yourself in a position, but why? Because of the position that you were put in as a child, because right. of trauma, or because of your own dependency, or because you can't make another choice. Uh, you know, but, 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 but then but crack, was, anyone is crack was introduced, life. crack was introduced to and so that's the other thing is that like when you're when you are systematically kept down it's it's the same thing oh now we have equal opportunity everybody has but we say oh all the doors are open except that you've been wearing shackles on your you know you've you've had a you've had something attached to your like you you have cement boots and suddenly we go hey we're starting we're starting the starting line it's right here but then you've been wearing cement boots, and the white people are like, all right, starting line starts here, and we just start running. Right. Like, boo, 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 let's run. But then 
everyone else who's been shackled for so they're like, yeah, the starting line is here, but we're wearing cement, so it's really hard to run the race. Right. You don't understand the boots I'm wearing. And, and we're like, but fuck your boots. Come on. We're doing a race, bro. Like, let's and, and our concept of empathy, too, in our society is, if I were you, what would I do? How would I feel? Well, I'm a very privileged person. I went to a high, I went to a high school, and I got to come home every day to both of my parents. Yeah. My mom would cook dinner, you know? Yeah. I had all these privileges. And so when I try to empathize with you, it's still from the only perception I know. And if I were you... Knowing that all I know about my family and who I am and all the opportunities I've been given, well, then I would do something different, you know? And I, I, it just, it, I, I guess I, you know, honestly, I guess I revised my thinking on that. Making certain choices, I think that there is, you, you have the choice when you are purchasing drugs to be like, well, you know, maybe you're not. But that choice is also informed by the fact that I have money, though. I feel I am trapped into this. I am living in housing projects because I physically cannot live anywhere else. I have nothing to live for. I don't have a job. My mom, my my parents are incarcerated. My community right. is destroyed by drugs. I this choice is not it's not a it's not a sober choice, but you know, so right, to speak. Right. It's not a choice that is made from the same context that someone else might look at it and try to quote unquote empathize. I don't think true empathy exists. I mean, I, yeah. So when I, it's just because my show's like Hoarders, Hoarders figured out. There's, there were some kids on Hoarders who are basically responding to their parents and grandparents hoarding and all this kind of thing. And what, how they responded was to get out of the house by any means necessary and then become alcoholic addicts because that was the only, because they'd rather be drunk on some random person's couch than sleeping with cockroaches and mice in dog feces. And so all they, they didn't have a choice if they're like when you're 15 and you can choose to live in an uninhabitable place or live on the street. Maybe the street's better. And so when those are the choices right. you're faced with, what do you even? You don't see anything beyond that. You, nobody's going like, "Hey, are you applying yourself? And do you care because your clothes smell like dog feces or whatever?" It's right. I don't know how it even works. But then again, but then again, have you seen um, have you seen those videos on TikTok? I have not heard or seen any of this. What is this? Wow. Watch those. After you watch those, it's really hard not to be prejudiced. Basically what happens is that, like, the people that rationally need the $1,000 are kind of, like, eliminated because they're a threat to, you know, the people that want it. And who ends up winning, the first one, is these three people of color that aren't disadvantaged, really but end up using that card as a car inherently so because of their identity. And is that true to an extent? Yes, I'm sure. What is this three called? Men, the, it's the cut. It's called Seven Strangers Try to Figure Out Who Gets a Thousand Dollars. It's fucking fascinating. Every round they have to eliminate someone, and, like, the first person to get eliminated is this white guy. The second person to get eliminated is a, is a Latina single mom. Oh, my and God. And they say... Why don't you just get another job? You know who gets it? You know who in the top three, one of the people in the top three is a man, a black man, that says he's unemployed because he's unemployed by choice because he can't get a job because he's black. Oh, wow. But but, he, but he's not, but he's a, he's a button-up shirt, upper middle class, gay black man, and he's unemployed. 
my choice. Is it true that it's harder to get a job because you're black? Yes. Does it mean that you physically cannot get a job and that's why you're entitled to the thousand dollars over the single mom? The child? A single who also, mom. Who also God, like you're so like pound No. I feel like I feel like I, I mean when you kind of enable people to be victims, like I, I, you kind of enable everybody, even people that aren't really victims, take them, you know? Like, especially, I, I'm sorry for rambling so much, but at my high school, I went to a high school in the Silicon Valley, by the way, we are all upper middle class people, all right? We are all enormously privileged. Student Asian, Indian and Asian women, upper middle class, parents worked at Google. The only thing that was ever written about was the progression of race and gender. I understand that this is true for other members of our community. You live in the Silicon Valley. You are upper middle class. Got to write it is black. You right. are being denied the amount of privilege that you have as a upper class person. You know, at, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is only class, even race. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Race with class. We're just being classed above all, even when we talk about racism. No, people don't like black people. Because we hate poor people. You know? Because America hates poor people. Because we hate poor people. Because we hate poor people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, was, it was so funny. I couldn't really write poetry until I was four. Uh, thanks, Arto. But when I was, I mean, even I don't write things about my youth because I was so privileged. It's like, oh, poor little white girl. Were you sad? Did you have a crush on a boy? Do you like, what, what did I even have to talk about? There was no oppression in those days. So it was, I mean, poor, it's like, poor little white girl. I just was so not oppressed that I had to create this meaning for myself. Oh, no, now I'm bulimic because I'm not good enough, and I'm not, I'm white, but I'm not good enough. Like, all of these, poor little white girl, meow, meow, meow. So, I was like, work, but you're a girl. You're basically black. Yeah, so I got the girl oh, card, so I can rock that out. Yeah. People take credit for oppression that they have never faced. I'm a poor loser, dude. I live my life as a white man. People take that. I'm a queer man. I still live my life as a straight white man. I get all the privileges. Do other people that are in my exact same community, Asian and, and queer, do they face oppression? Absolutely. I don't face the same oppression just because I'm part of that group. Absolutely not. I'm still upper middle class, essentially straight white guy presenting to the world, and that's how I'm treated. So how can you live in the you live in the Silicon Valley and you're an upper middle class Indian woman? I, you just, I just, I, you just, you don't. You know, like I, I just, I mean, if you were to live in Alabama. I, and I but love in this society. You don't face that oppression. I understand. And that we can what we can bring saying. we can bring light to the oppression that exists. Like uh, the if, if they're an Indian woman and they want to search like sweatshops in India that have fallen apart and yeah. been forced to sew clothes, oh, yeah, like to, to sew jeans and for it's a old maids. For sure. But if we can look at it from our lens, like hey, these old maids jeans cost twelve ninety nine. Why? Because there's a woman in India who's been chained to her sewing machine for 20 hours a day and she's worried about her kids and what else can she have? I mean, and coming from a place of, of privilege, you can eliminate the oppression that exists and like try not to create exactly. the oppression for people, right? <laughs> I feel like, I mean, you are ignoring your own privilege when you say that just because you're a member of this group, you know, like, like I know tons of women, okay, Christian Cavalieri, bro, that's a privileged woman. 
That is a woman that has more privilege than her straight white husband because she doesn't have to work. She gets all this money. She gets treated amazingly because she's a beautiful white woman. You know, is that to say that all white women, that there isn't money? No. Women get discriminated against all the time. Obviously, it's like Kristen Cavalieri. You're a beautiful, you're an attractive white woman. There is an enormous amount of privilege with that. And to say that there isn't, it's just fucking debasing. And the same thing with, like, rape culture. Like, there is rape culture, yeah. But it's not like how it's like in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) And to try and equate the two is so fucking debasing. And it's backwards because the general public know that. The general public are like, that's fucking stupid. And and it it pushes the whole movement backwards. Women's rights isn't about character issues being sexist in office building. Absolutely not. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm very progressive with these things, but I guess I'm just too cynical to buy into every fucking New Yorker article that I happen to read. Oh, you know how to read? That. That's amazing. That's like you're four oh steps ahead of most Americans. You read? You still read, Marion? Stop. I, I love reading. I you have work. critical thoughts? Stop it. You're not a real American. They want us all. I'm to not. Read. If I don't buy into the liberal agenda, it's worth life. I agree with the liberal agenda. Like, you know, I. I and I hate, I hate these conservative young men that are like, conservatism is the new punk rock. That's the stupidest shit I ever heard. But they do have a point in the fact that mainstream ideology is liberal ideology. And the thing about liberal ideology is unless you buy into it 100%, like if you're 85% into it, you're 15% Republican. You're 15% problematic. And I think that's alienating and anti-theological. And also because it's an all-or-nothing thing, one or the other. We have to either go away or either just grow slowly. We should have a liberal party that just embraces all kinds of people. Like, open it up, you know? Why Why only have two parties? Why does it have to be so oh, yeah. bifurcated? Why does it have to be one or the I other? Wonder. Why are we so duplicitous? We can only have God and the devil. We can only have yeah. Democrats, Republicans. We can only have evil or good. There's this that's a great question. I, I wonder why that is, though, because there is something that is so kind of hard to reconcile. Yeah, and it, it doesn't all have to be evil. Hey, let's let's play this other song you wanted to play. Uh, okay, wait, wait can, I, can I play one more question? Yeah, you? please, please. This is from uh, Ash. Corona protesting. What do you think about that? What do you think? Corona protests? I don't think I'd be kind of supportive of that, too. 
Well, of course, our entire economy is supported by unemployment. That's everything. Right. If, if you were just regular American, you're, how many times a week do you eat fast food? Gross, terrible. It should be like a once-a-month treat, not an everyday food source. And then, oh, look at it. It's cheap. It's cheap, but that's the thing. The only option. The only option. And so we are looking for something outside of us that we can cling to. But again, we live so much more horrible than people. Like, it's the perfect distance. And I, I, and I'm a, I don't want, I don't want anyone fat ever. I feel like, and I understand, I don't understand. I try not to. I want old people to die. I've seen, I've seen people that, when they've stayed long enough, you can drown. Well, well, like you only get to ride the Ferris wheel for two rotations, like it's guess that everybody gets. Get off. Well, Soylent Green is one. But uh, when, <laughs> when is, when is your? I don't know. I, I also don't think old people should drive. I, I don't drive anymore. But and I can't no. see anything. And I'm like, I. Well, we're I, so obsessed with rights. We're so obsessed with entitlement that everyone's entitlement to be whatever they want. And I think that's, you know, good to a certain extent. But I mean, this even goes for like the big is beautiful campaign. Yes, big is beautiful, uh, and I don't think that anybody, if you're not, if you're healthy enough, that's fine, you know? You shouldn't try to get skinny just because you want to be pretty, right? But if it's health issues, I mean, what? I, mean, the, we, I don't think that we should ever be condoning something that's unhealthy. If, and if you're, if you're chubby, who cares? That's an aesthetic thing, you know? Like, that's, that's not, it's not about health. I mean, it's not about, it's not about aesthetics. It's about you know, if you're morbidly obese and it's hurting your own ability to live your, I mean, not to live your life. If you, you know, if you want to be obese, fucking do your own thing. But don't tell people that it's a healthy way to live. It's not. Being chubby, yeah, it's fine, dude. What the fuck? Just, just, just because, like, you know, and, you know, being this is about an entitlement to be whatever you want, and whatever it's an, you want to be. It's an entitlement to excess. The thing is that the concept that we have obese people. We have so much food and so much that we have diseases that are caused by overconsumption. Look at hoarders. Dear Lord, they have so much stuff that it's debilitating and changes their lives and becomes because of excess. There are people with nothing. There are people in Mexico right now building houses out of old garage doors and plastic stuff. And we have diseases that that are – Overconsumptive. That's insane to me. <laughs> right, right, right. And the thing is, though, but like, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you there is that there's a difference between you are allowed to do this and you are should be allowed to do this between you should. You know, you know, just like it's like what if you said hoarding is beautiful? I, I mean, if you well, think it is, it's then beautiful yes, for the economy. You're for that, but if, you know, it is also unhealthy. And to it, tell people that it is not unhealthy is insane. But it makes you a good American because you consume, 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 buy, 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 Marvel movies, Marvel movies, Marvel movies, Marvel movies. Oh my God! I, you know what? You know what? It's, 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 people talk about not about hating capitalism all they want, but as soon as they sell merchandise that's anti-capitalism, we need to get the fuck up to validate feminist AF movies. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? If I, I mean, the fact that you buy shit and alternate, I. Fucking hate Marvel movies, dog. Fucking well, it's, hate Marvel movies. It's championing and Black mediocrity. Panther, too. I didn't. I, I've Black never. Panther, I couldn't even watch Black Panther the whole way through. I watched the first fifteen minutes and I was like, oh, and it made me feel like a bad person. And I said, at least I didn't look like that on there. And it isn't. 
slackish stuff. It was 15 minutes yeah, in, and I was like, I'm not into minutes. this story. Am I supposed to love this story? And people were like, you love Black Panther. And I was like, I couldn't watch it. I'm sorry. The first Black Panther movie, Black Panther movie 1 is important because of representation. I get that. Black Panther movie 2 is just weaponizing that same lack of representation. So none of these. I didn't I don't even know, if they're know doing there was. That. I, I know they will. I didn't know there was There's a second one. There's going to be a Mexican Panther and Asian Panther. You're just weaponizing people's own lack. The lack of representation that you created makes even more money off of you. Fuck superhero movies, dog. I don't care. The people that say, oh, you don't like them, it's popular with you. Right, but just because it's popular does not make it a good one. Marvel yeah. movies suck shit. Well, no, and they're all bad. Popularity. You know who wins. Popularity is. I, I don't agree with it because it's championing when we say, exactly. this is the, the thing that, okay, so I had this one rant, I love this movie, God, Sausage Party cost $19 million to make, and I feel like it's the worst animated movie that ever existed in the history like of it. animation. They open, like they open with a song where they rhyme, fuck with fuck, I just couldn't get on board, I was like, oh, rich That's people want to make more money, look at this, and it was so, the tropes like were it. so like, oh, the falafel and the pho, oh, what do we have in common, hummus, the taco, and the, anyway, the whole thing was like, like ugh. But it was nineteen million dollars to make, and I at least you could have given me fifty dollars and nineteen different amazing films, nineteen beautiful, amazing, hilarious, incredible, wonderful films could have been made instead of this bullshit. And right. uh, when I see, well, here, here's the argument that I love to make, the rant that I love to make about the exact same thing: mass communication is antithetical to art. Art is about the relationship between the artist, the art, and the individual. The individual has to turn this object into art, you know? And so once you make it mass communication for as many people to turn it into art, you have to take away the subtlety, you know? There's literally no way to make art that is profound to every single person that looks at it. I'm going to disagree and say Star Wars. I'm going to say the first Star Wars, that it was universally popular also had for subtlety that it apply or not apply entertaining to the masses but also had potential it's okay you can disagree with me you don't have to love Star Wars like me it's okay you don't have to love Star Wars it's fine although Rogue One was much as it is entertainment. I think that's what pops you know? And I, I think that art can be entertaining, but not all entertainment is art. You know what I mean? Yes. And and, and so yes. I think that you couldn't necessarily, like, like you can make a, like, the most poetry, for instance. There, I don't think there is a single song that hits, like, there is no way to make a mass-produced commercially popular poetry. Robert Frost. That is, any, but that is, any, but here's, but here's what I'm going to say about that. That is anything but, like, appeals to an identity or you're supposed to like it or is grand enough for everybody to be like, you know what, I, I can't defend this song for as much as I'd like to, so I'm going to just exclude the beat. <laughs> I, because I, you know what, you know what, I, I remember one time, I think I was on I came up with this, this idea, and, I, you know, I still think that I'm right. And I had a really good, I wrote like a three-page manifesto on it. You know what? I just can't access the same information on it as I, as I had. So you know what? You make two good points. 
Robert Frost though I don't I don't agree with because you can just make something that's like bland enough. You, you can't you can't make art that's that's good great great art that's antithetical to a large release mass communication of it because it has to be specific and profound to the individual. E. E. Robert Cummings. Frost is good. Mm, no, they're e. both Cummings. a little bit bland. The Even Weeble Star Wars Lunette. is a little bit Far bland. and weak. Robert Frost. What is the most famous Robert Frost song? Stopping, stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Stopping in the Woods on a Snowy Evening and the two roads diverging yellow. Yes, yes. Both of those are in are blank slates for emotion. I don't think you could ever have like I don't think you could ever have a poem that is so like specific and subtle and profound be as successful as those because it has because the best art is very, very individual between the viewer Thing. And that's why I think that the best music is like indie rock, you know, because it's about your personal relationship with this person, with this thing that is uniquely yours in a unique way that you share it with nobody but you. Okay, let me – And let, I guess – I, I can I can negate you on this topic very quickly. Stephen King, moving fiction, incredibly popular, ah, totally so personal. It's entertaining. That's entertaining. Entertaining, but there are so many things. I respect literature. He has many short stories. Fucking literature. He has multiple. I mean, he's written like eight, eight novels now. And every, I mean, the the pantheon of Stephen King is so big, and it's so widely yeah. relatable and accessible, and yeah. entertaining, and it's art. It's straight no, up I'm art. Wrong. No, no, I'm totally wrong. I'm totally just disagreeing with myself now. So I'm going to bring up a point against myself. Nietzsche. Nietzsche is specific and individual, and yet white men everywhere are like me, Ubermen, for generations, you know? So I disagree with myself. I have I have a favorite quote of his that made me just reread my notes. God, babe. This is my, this is my favorite Nietzschean quote of his. Uh, it's, my dream is to have ships half burdened, silent as a butterfly in the ships at He was a poet. He fucking goes hard. That shit goes so hard. That's a fucking banger. For a thirteen-year-old me, when I read God in Bed, I was like, when I read Nietzsche's, I read abuses and abuses of history in fifth grade. I had no idea what I was reading. So like, when he was all like, fuck, bro, (laughs) the masses really do be cowed. Got me though. I knew Nietzsche. The other Nietzsche concept that I love. Is the concept of the heaviest burden, and he talks about if you, if a, if a, an amazing angel slash devil came to you right now and said you could live your entire life over forever and infinity, but every single decision and every single choice you ever made happened in succession over and over for eternity, would you gnash your teeth and weep in horror, or would you say, hell yeah, I'm totally down with this? That's the heaviest burden. Is that is yeah. is the life that you're living? Is it something that you would? Is every choice and every decision, every move, are you willing to live that in perpetuity forever, or do you have regret? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. concept of the heaviest burden threw me into. I was like, ah, mm-hmm. that's hard. But that's it's, hard. It's optimistic, um, uh, nihilism, like. And and I guess Nietzsche's an existentialist, existentialist, but a nihilistic. They they, owe, they they converge. They converge. Camus owes a lot to Nietzsche. Yes. I, 
Tamu was my man. In the opening line of Stranger, which I think they read in fifth grade because it had a really big I'm smart page, that shit hit me so hard because fools think that it's like nihil not it's not nihilism. It's not about like nihilism is not sad. Like, right. It's not about everything sucks. It's about like nothing has meaning, make your own meaning. And the fact when people tell me that like it's just sad, it just proves that like you have no idea. You just you just lack the ability to create your own meaning in life, you know. Well, and sometimes that's that's the product of indoctrination. That's that's and optimistic indoctrination. It's optimistic nihilism versus cosmic nihilism. It's where you say cosmic nihilism is like all of us are meaningless. It's all too big. Nothing has meaning. Destroy everything, as opposed to optimistic nihilism, which is nothing has meaning. Create your own meaning. You are your own measure for what is so have it or don't don't judge other people's meaning because if that's personal to them interact with them and see if maybe they can bring meaning to you as well but you're still which is why there is no god because we're god because we create our own reality so and that's an optimistic thing like i understand tearing down other people's religion when it hurts other people you know but like it doesn't matter that this person believes this thing that is true. It doesn't matter because they're going to die. It's, it's nothing's going to change. You know, if they're happy until they die, then who the fuck cares? Yeah, then what's, what's the problem? Just, yeah. What's the problem? Well, that and being it, said, d- this all goes back. This all goes back into the thing of like why we judge each other and care so much about how we smash our heads in. Who cares? Right. What, someone's deriving meaning out of whatever? Great. Why do we say your meaning has value? Your meaning doesn't have value. Fuck your meaning. This is wrong. And then, but that someone must be getting something out of that communication or whatever. Yeah. There must be something, a, a fear or a truth. It's in defense of your society, you don't want your society to, fall, to dissolve. You don't want your way of life to dissolve. But in our society now, bro, someone fucking dude who is not going to dissolve the United States, okay? Even if, like, even if, even for me, I'm an atheist, right, or like a spiritual agnostic, whatever the fuck. Even now, if the United States was all like, "We love Trump forever. He's a dictator. We're going to be Christian forever," it still wouldn't change how I live my life. And the minute and it does, then I would bounce. You know? Yeah. But as long as we maintain a society, I think our society, our government is 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 disconnected from us as individuals enough for us to be able to practice whatever the fuck we want. So it doesn't even. Well, that's also a very privileged position to have. Because when Trump died, I, I thought it was hilarious because it didn't affect me. That's what you said. Where would you bounce to? If if uh, everybody suddenly was like, Trump's forever dictator, we love him, I would bounce too. But where would you go? France. France? Well, I mean, I'm moving to England in August, you know, so I mean, that's probably maybe there, but probably France because I love French culture. I don't know. I think that cheese. you, know, you love only have cheese. one life, right? Yes, you have to go to the mecca of cheese. I love cheese. Yeah, I, you know, I, I love. France. I love. Um, I think that I want to live as. I always want to live as many lives as I possibly can, which is why that I'm going to try to live as much as I can until I'm like you know 45, right? And then once I'm like 40, whatever, I'm going to move to a foreign country, learn a new language, and just completely start over and be like a cheese maker, so I can live two lives instead of just one. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Adventure the fuck the fuck out of that. I want to experience it. I, lo- I love it. 
Are there children playing behind you? I hear some strange. Yeah, I'm next to her. I'm next to Rio Grande. I think they're coming out with their rap. Oh, that's so cool. They're not social distancing. They are social distancing. Yeah, they're family. So it's like they're fine. Uh, no they're one cares, all. But you're next to the 